Hello, everybody, and welcome to Libromancy, a podcast about the magic of books. I'm Josh, and today we're finishing off our discussion of Book Burners Season 1. This is Part 2 by Max Gladstone, Margaret Dunlap, Muir Lafferty, and Brian Francis Slattery. So let's possess the magic of books. Now, this is the second half of our of our covering of Book Burners, and it was amazing. If you don't remember, you skipped ahead for some reason. This series uh, was put together by Realm Media. It used to be called something else, but uh, I think a Serial Box, and now it's Realm Media. And their goal is to produce books uh, like TV shows to try and have the same kind of format and styling so that they're a little bit more bite-sized when you're trying to, to consume the books and to enable you to have more stopping points and be more familiar with it. And I just, I really have to say after finishing this series, yes, it definitely was a TV show here for this. This was, it really did feel like a TV show as I was watching it, which I loved. I don't, don't get me wrong here. I don't think this style of book is going to work for every story, but for telling stories like a TV show, this one did really good. The beginning was Get to Know Your Characters, Monster of the Week, Slow Transition into Seasoned Villain, and then a Surprise Twist at the end, and Defeat of the Villain, you know, Reset to Status Quo, almost which is kind of the quintessential drama cop show kind of formula. And I can't say that it doesn't work because it did. Again, I am very impressed with how these writers were able to blend and merge their styles to make it feel like it was pretty unique to like pretty similar to how it's writing. I wouldn't go, oh, this is so different than this, but that they are still able to really kind of exhibit their talents and have so many good lines and kind of evoke so many feelings. So they did really good on that side of the thing of things. Again, let's just talk about our characters a little bit, see how they really changed. We have Asante, Saul, Sal, Liam, uh, Menchu, and Grace, and of course the brother Perry, who's kind of in a coma. But there is, I can't say there's like a ton of growth, but there is more growth and we do see more characters character divisions to them. I don't want to get into the spoilers right now, but we definitely will in a little bit. So I'm just going to say, you know, quite simply, the characters do feel like they're growing a little bit. There's not a whole lot of change, but I did love to see the, the slow growth of these characters throughout this season right so the atmosphere again i have a hard time just picturing rome and london in my head and so it doesn't really work for me in that situation but i just kind of picture the archive where they are at and that works fine i think that's more of a me issue than any kind of technical issue on their writing trying to exhibit the the feeling i can definitely feel the feelings they're feeling and the emotions they're feeling when they're either on the run or on the chase so i think those are really good and I touched on this earlier, but just to kind of get it out of the way before we get into our spoiler section, I felt like the plot was a very well and very tight TV season that has been translated to books. It was very tropey in regards to a TV season, but I feel like for the first kind of one that's going into this situation, the first book of its kind, I think that's totally excusable. And I think as they get on, they keep going, they're going to work out any of these kinks or kind of change it to be more for the written word tropes or the book tropes. So we'll see how that goes. I'm definitely going to continue on with book burners season two i'm not sure when but i will definitely be going in there i very invested of course i really wanted to know what was going on and i would have to say they cut season one part one and part two at the perfect time it is quite literally the tipping point to falling over into the long-term season versus the short-term season and that was a very good i'm sure 100 percent strategic move that they made but it was very clear what was going on did i enjoy this oh yes i did enjoy this this was quite fun let's just kind of go 
go over these topics here. I loved also the names they gave all their episodes. They were good episode names, so let's talk about them. No. 9, Ancient Wonders. 10, Shore Leave. 11, The Codex Embra. 12, Puppets. 13, Keeping Friends Close. 14, An Excellent Day for an Exorcism. 15 Things Lost and 16 Siege. So just good names. And I I loved they are evocative without telling you too much. So it's that nice hint that if you're looking at the chapter titles or the scene, the season episode names in a TV show, you can get a little bit more of a clue as to what's going on without actually spoiling anything for yourself most of the time. So I liked that. Now let's talk about the actual individual episodes. And just to give you, we'll kind of go through episode by episode. I'll talk about some things I liked, didn't like. Um, Number nine, The Ancient Wonder. They go to visit the Oracle of Delphi to figure out how to get the Codex Umbra or how they can stop it. That was that was a fun one, uh, except for they killed the Oracle, of course, but that's never a good sign. And this is the first time where we're seeing, like, this is full spoilers for the whole season. Sorry, I'm not going to be able to keep anything back. This is the first time we kind of see Sal's possession really kicking in and being like, hey, something's going on. Why is Sal not remembering? Why is this thing's happening? How did this work? And then Asante, you know, she takes the magic and she does the same ritual as the the Seer of Delphi because it's the water. And then she starts tripping and, and, you know, trying to kill them all. And that was, it was so good to watch and to see them actually start to try and use their mag, they use the magic they can, even though that's not really their goal. But we see that this is kind of like, we need the magic to be able to combat the magic. We don't agree with it. We have to make sure it's safe, but we still need it. Oh, and I, I think, I'm not trying to decide which one would be my favorite episode, but I really liked shore leave because grace gets one day off every year and i was like grace please like you need to negotiate better for yourself here you are the best asset ever you're indestructible you're invulnerable you heal from anything you don't age if your candle's not going now it sucks that you kind of have to age and you can burn it faster but like you one more you deserve more than one day a year so please go and renegotiate that but i love that she's taking a time off And she's getting antsy with Sal because she's like, I have to have my day packed with everything because my life is so limited. And I love that on the opposite side, there is the, oh, it's a clockmaker who's basically been affected by a relic. And it's slowing down time in a circle and it's getting bigger and they have to go in and save it. And Sal's like, okay, we're going to go help them out because they need help. And Grace is like, no, I don't want to. But she really does. Ah, it was just so good. And the, the scenes describing the candle maker and her care for her clocks and for time, and it was just beautifully written. Those scenes are so immaculate and amazing. And I just couldn't help but love them. They were quite good. We're going to move on to the Codex Umbra. This is the one. This is kind of the uh, the mid-season trick that I wasn't expecting. I thought Mr. Norse would be the bad guy throughout the entire season. But he just kind of drops off after this episode because he's like, oh, wait, I've also maybe been possessed or am possessed? I don't know if that was enough to actually shake him and he might come back later. But we definitely learn he's nowhere near as powerful as the Hand, who has taken up residence inside Sal. Which was a great callback to the beginning when we thought... I was like, I read the first chapter and I'm like, why didn't Sal get possessed when she touched the book to shut it? Because she didn't use the cross or the cloth like she was supposed to. So how did that happen? I was like, this is kind of a, an inconsistency here. She got it shut that one time. Turns out it is not an inconsistency. She's been possessed the whole time. The getting into the Codex Emperor was a little contrived or just kind of like pushed through. But for the sake of it being a TV show translated into the books, I wasn't like overly worried about it. That's just kind of how things flow. You have to kind of pick up the pieces and figure things out. And 
and it was fine. I like those scenes. I liked how they get into the sanctum. They have to, you know, sneak in the back, basically. I loved them getting the knowledge. And then that's like when we really see, oh, the hand is starting to come forward. And then the next book, the next book, Puppets. That was a really good one. We learn a whole ton about possession. Oh, excuse me. We have to roll back to Codex Embra because we start seeing Mr. Norse's backstory, which led me to believe he was going to be the big villain. And I just, I loved this one line when he, they move into their new house and he is going around right before he finds the magic book. And he's like, anything to stay away from that skin wrapped bone sculpture introduced as grandma. Oh, that's just like chilling and good. Like I can totally picture exactly what he means when he says a skin wrapped bone sculpture, you know, as grandma, somebody who's old and just super desiccated and super like skin stretchy. Like I just, it pictured, I can picture that so amazingly in my mind. It was so nice. Now, and now we get into puppets, which has this really nice where reveal where we are actually following the demons perspective where a bunch of demons have been trying to get into the Vatican. They've been getting stopped. They've been getting you know purified without knowing what's going on. But we finally find three demons who have a plan. Two of them are just going to sacrifice the one. He doesn't matter. They're going to go in. They're going to get the book. They're going to steal it. And then they'll make bank, right? And it actually works they are scarily efficient, like Sal, Asante, Liam. Nobody stands any chance against these guys. And they get in, they get the book, and then before they escape, the hand reveals himself through Sal. And is like, oh, you thought you were getting away. No, no, no. Bring me back my book. They do. He kills them mercilessly. And then Sal teleports out. <laughs> Sal through the hand teleports out. Of course, this is not a good thing. This takes the whole book, and I'm very shortening that. But that's kind of all we really need to know about that. Because... There's just so much more to get into about this demon possession. Why did she have bad cell service in her house? Oh, the hand was was distorting it so she'd have bad reception. How come she didn't use her oven that one episode when Liam came over and she's like, oh yeah, my oven doesn't work. We have to make pasta the other way. And he comments on it. It's like, that's so weird. Why would that not work? Oh, turns out that was a lie. Lie by the hand to make her think it was broken when in reality he was prepping it for the teleport spell. So this is, there are a lot of things that I was like, I didn't even pick up on that. Like, yeah, why wouldn't she have an oven that works? And why wouldn't she get that fixed? And, you know, oh, I noticed that her crosses tarnish you more easily. Oh, yeah, it's because she's possessed, not because they just tarnish more. Like, there's so many things I saw after this that I was like, ugh. Duh, of course it makes so much sense now. How did I miss that before? So, puppets, this was a great one. Sal gets to be host of the demon, and he goes around and basically starts killing other demons, which you're like, what? Why? It's to create his body. And I love that Sal is so sassy in her own mind. She's like, I don't think that's a good choice there. Why are you putting that cat's spine as your crown? Don't you think you're compensating for something? Why are you doing it this way? I think that looks ugly. Just... Totally annoy the demon because he's got complete control. Luckily, you know, the team breaks in and they're able to stop the full possession, the, the body swap going from the hand to the new bot hand body. But then Sal's repossessed and Stretch and Balloon come back and get ready and arrest her for, you know, demon possession, which is fair. Now, the way they go about in the next one, a great day for it, an excellent day for an exorcism, uh, is basically just we're going to torture you and if you die, you die. Hey, you're no longer possessed, mainly because you're dead. But that's not our problem. And I love that her nicknames for them, Balloon and Stretch, are is so used throughout the entire organization, basically, that everybody calls them that. Not to their face, of course, but because they're so easily recognizable as that. It was quite funny. Of course, this whole time, 
the South's team are trying to get her back, trying to figure out how to get around and fix things. Basically give them permission to stop them if at all possible. And these last three books are like day, 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 day. They're all together versus other books where it was like a thing sometime, a thing sometime. And I'm kind of blazing over it because as fun and as exciting as it is the character development and the conflict within the team, it's going to be really tough for me to explain it in a satisfying way here. But just know it's there. So Balloon and Stretch are torturing her. They're able to get in the team and get in and stop them and then sal kind of lets the hand loose on them by accident and they blow they blow balloon up like a humid balloon but luckily sal's able to stop the hand only this time because he's weakened after the failed ritual so he doesn't blow up like an actual balloon and pop which i can't say that i wasn't excited to see a grown man pop like that but since i didn't i won't be sad the next one things lost they uh Aaron, who we meet, is the demon slash angel, and he actually just jumps bodies, people to people. He ends up going into Perry's body, and they go into the demon world, demon world in quotes here, of course, to save Perry. And that was a really nice one, too. Like, there are some really good straight sentences that are just amazing in this book, talking about how, oh, the silver, oh, he's got like silver spikes in all of his main organs, and she's trying to figure it out. She's like, but this is the demon world, and how is this real? And Aaron's like, well, even the real world's not real like there's molecules and atoms and are you really touching what you're touching and i'm like man i don't need a philosophy i don't need this kind of lesson but i'm here for it like i get this stuff i know it but i can't think about it too much because it just makes you go crazy if you're like am i really touching what i'm touching yes just deal with it pretend it's all real and that's what he's like hey just sal it's real calm down go save your brother i'm gonna fight these things off for a little bit turns out she can't save her brother because perry's in her body not Perry, but Aaron is in the body, and that would prevent Perry from going. They're going to have to merge. It was so good, her experiencing the memories and seeing them from his side, and just the way that kind of played out, and then they're able to come in right at the last second and be like, hey, I'm back, and I'm not possessed. Well, that doesn't stop Team 1 from trying to get in and take them because they've been ordered to by Teams 2. And I love this. That was so fun. The, the team one is trying to come in. They're sending the normies. And Liam's like, oh, don't worry. I got this. They won't get through anywhere. He's got electric shocks. He's got falls. He's got moving walls and like creating a labyrinth sort. And everybody's like, uh, excuse us. What? How do you have labyrinths built? The like fake walls that push into place. And he's like, hey, I've got hobbies and a lot of spare time. And that's just what I do. I like to be prepared ever since, you know, I was possessed by the techno cult. And it's just, it's so funny. And he manages to take down the whole team. And then, of course, they have to send in the empowers and Grace has to fight them. But before Grace can fight them, let me read you this one line. It was so good. All right, here's the line. The lead knight's glove glowed dimly as she neared certain turns. And those turns she took. The others followed her. Ground opened beneath their feet, but none fell. The lead knight dug her fingers into the wall. The second vaulted cat-like over the drop. The third did not break stride, her sandals as steady on empty air as they would have been on a battlefield. The fourth followed, his robes darting out like spider legs to span the gap and dig pits into the wall. No one saw the fifth cross. Just like, wow, ooh, shivers and spine like these guys are killer and they are coming for them. They are able to disable Grace. And I love, this was so funny, balloon and stretch. Yeah, like, hey, we uh, figured out we have a demonic de uh, demonic possession detector. Here you go, leader of Team 1. You know, and there's other back stuff going on. So like, yep, you can just do that. It's a saint's knuckle. Like, tap it in her, and if it turns on, then she's possessed, and you should kill it right away. You know, she won't fake it. 
And then, sorry, I'm laughing because it's just so funny. And then it cuts to her leaving and then talking to each other later. And they're like, wow, you know, that was really good thinking on the fly there. And he's like, yeah, that the LED and the, and the battery will definitely light up when they go on. And I'm like, oh, this is bad. Luckily, the team leader figures it out. And she's like, those idiots, they couldn't even make a real fake. Yeah, here it is. They couldn't even rig a decent fake. A weapon in their hands indeed. We have brains, you know. She taught... Ta- she drew a 9-volt battery from her pocket, tossed it up into the air, and caught it. The battery vanished into her pocket. You know, just, it was so funny and so nice to see that. Like, they put it on her head. Doesn't ring. She's not possessed. Everybody's like, ah, oh, no. Balloon and Stretch try to run away. They stop them, like, of course, because they, they're just dumb. So, a great ending, uh, except at the end. This was, like, the real season reset for me. They kind of solved everything. They're putting stuff back together. They're trying to figure things out. And then Sal and Perry are talking, and Perry's like, hey, I feel like I have to do these things that Aaron left to me to do because, you know, now we're merged and... Like, I have to fill these things, you know, since he gave up his life for me. And she's like, Sal's like, yeah, of course, let's go do those things together. Like, I'm totally here for you to help you do that. And he's like, um, yeah, peace out. Now, he doesn't say it exactly like that, but he's like, yeah, sure, bye. And he just like fades out and teleports away. And I'm like, oh, what? That was not in the uh, list of powers that we suspected Aaron had. I liked Aaron. He was a good guy. So overall, man, I've just, I've really, really enjoyed this book, Book Burners Complete Season 1. I am really looking forward to Season 2. I'm really kind of curious if it's going to do a full reset back to Monster of the Week, if we're going to get our overarching villain at the start. Monster of the Week, Monster of the Week, you know reoccurrence reoccurrence you know back to monsters of the week for a couple and then finale or you know what the structure is going to be and it does look like they've added a new author or two to book burner season two um, Mar- max gladstone margaret dunlaps brian francis slattery andrea phillips mir lafferty and amar amal el motar i'm really excited because i like i mean i know amal el motar and max gladstone wrote how to this is how you lose the time war together and that was really good i don't know anything about andrea phillips but this set and a new set another two authors should be even better so i am really looking forward to that and i think that's everything i'm going to have to say today about book burner season one thanks everybody for listening thanks to david hillowitz for the intro and outro music if you have any comments or questions please send them to libromancypod at gmail.com you know please like and subscribe wherever you, wherever you get your podcast from that really helps out a lot and remember to possess the magic of books <laughs> <laughs>